Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Psychology of Depression and Anxiety. I'm your host, Dr. Scott, and today I'm going to introduce you to a treatment model for depression and anxiety that I can virtually guarantee you have never heard of before. I can also virtually guarantee you that if you apply this model to your life, you will experience progress like you have never had before. I know that that's a bold claim. Test me out. Listen to what I have to say. Put it into practice in your life and see if it doesn't go the way I said it would. I have never seen it not. The reason this is on my mind today is it's intern season here in the mental health world. So every late summer, early fall, a crop of people who have little to no clinical experience enter the field under supervision of people who hopefully have quite a bit of experience, and they try to figure out how they're going to do this. What kind of therapist do they want to be? Who do they want to work with? Do they want to do individual or groups? They try to basically figure out their lives and their careers. And as we have every year for the past few years, my employer has taken some interns. They're helping me out with the intensive outpatient programs that I run. And one of the questions that invariably comes up within the first couple weeks of having new interns is that they ask me, what is your theoretical orientation? Now, that might sound like strange framing if you're not Uh, In the world of professional mental health, a theoretical orientation is basically just the model or the mechanisms through which we understand mental health or mental illness, and also what we think people need to get better. In other words, like, like what do we think we're supposed to be doing to help people, and what exactly are we trying to help them with? The, the answer to that question would be considered to be your theoretical orientation. And there are quite a few theoretical orientations out there. We learn about all the major orientations during graduate school. And so when someone asks you, what is your theoretical orientation? Basically what they're asking is, you know, are you like Carl Rogers? Do you think that what people need to heal is they need basically a safe space where they have unconditional positive regard and experience warmth and empathy, even when they express things that are difficult or impossible for them to share in other contexts. And if you can give them that, they will get better. Do you agree with... uh, Aaron Ellis and Albert Beck and think that a person's inner thought process becomes very skewed or dysfunctional when they're experiencing some type of mental illness and that by helping them understand and correct those thought processes, you will then help them treat the symptoms of that illness. Do you agree with Sigmund Freud and believe that mental health symptoms are a result of a mismatch or a conflict would probably be a better term between unconscious desires and the 
rules of society that we internalize via our super ego. I'm not honestly super knowledgeable on Freudian psychotherapy because it's really not my thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So in other words, you get presented with basically this menu of like famous psychologists or famous therapists and theories. And then they ask you, which, which one makes the most sense to you? Which one do you agree with? This has always been a very, very difficult question for me to answer because, because my, my honest, like off the top first instinct answer is none of them. And that it doesn't mean I think they're all crap or that they're all wrong. I just don't think any of them have the whole picture. And part of the reason that I think this is, this is going to, at first you're going to be like, wow, that's not exactly groundbreaking insight, but just give me a minute on this one. Okay. It's going to sound dumb at first. One of the problems I have with all of these models is that they are all models proposed by individuals working in the field of mental health. And I know that that seems logical. Wouldn't you want a mental health specialist to explain how mental health works? But the very premise there, there's an underlying premise that is unspoken. And I think most people don't even think about that, that creates the framework for that entire setup, which is the idea that mental illness is unique. In other words, it's all based on the assumption that any other model that we already know about for any other thing will not work for mental health. And we have to create our own models for mental health. We can't just graft some existing model or existing framework from some other discipline and just make it a mental health model and make that work. I think that we can do that. In fact, I have done that many, many times. I've done it in my personal life. I've done it in my work as a therapist, and I've gotten great results every single time. What it ultimately boils down to, if you're talking about being in treatment for mental health, you have a goal, right? Your goal probably is some variation of, I wish to reduce my symptoms of the mental illness or illnesses from which I suffer. And so ultimately, whatever you do can either result in success or failure. So what we need is a model that predicts success. I don't believe that we need a unique model that only applies to mental health. I believe, I would even go so far as to say I know, that we can take models that predict success in other disciplines or, or towards other goals and, and apply those models to mental health and it will work. I'm going to give an example. I'm going to give a very silly but very on-point example. How to create a successful YouTube channel. I'm going to show you that the attributes and strategies that would help someone create a successful YouTube channel are actually the exact same things that would help a person succeed at their mission of reducing mental health symptoms. There are three factors present in this model. You have to have all three. If you have two out of three, it will not work. And that's where I think most people's attempts at getting better fall apart because they maybe have one or two of these three things and that results in almost no progress. And then they conclude, it's hopeless. I'm not going to get any better. Therapy does not work for me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So the three factors that need to be present in your journey of reducing your mental health symptoms are duration. In other words, it's going to take some certain amount of time. Effort, you have to keep the things you're going to be trying in the forefront of your mind and really work hard at them 
right? And I've, I've said this before in other, in other ways, mental health can't be a side quest for you. This is probably the hardest thing you'll ever do. This is probably the strongest enemy you'll ever face. If it's the third, fourth, fifth, most important thing in your life, you're not going to succeed. And the third is frequency. You have to do these things regularly to see any results, okay? And the things, that's going to be the second half of the video. What are the actual things? I'm going to explain the model first. But a uh, very, very short answer to that question, just so this even makes sense as an example, those things are like therapy skills and lifestyle modifications, right? In other words, doing, let's say, let's take sleep hygiene as an example. If you've been working really hard on your sleep for like a week, that's not long enough. You're, you, you've got the effort, right? You've got the frequency. You're working on it every day. You're not taking days off. Like you're, you're doing sleep hygiene seven days a week, but it's been a week. It's not going to work, right? If you have been working on sleep hygiene for six months, but you only do it during the week and every weekend you say, screw sleep hygiene, I'm just going to sleep however I want, then your frequency is not there. You're taking too much time off from working on this thing and it's disrupting your progress every time. If you understand the general principles of sleep hygiene and you try to fall asleep and try to wake up within like a two hour window every day and you've been doing that every day for six months, you've got duration, you've got frequency, but you don't really have effort. You're not really trying that hard at doing this thing. And if you're missing any of those three variables, you will not succeed. Let me give you an example of the YouTube channel, okay? If you look at any of the YouTube channels that you subscribe to, you'll probably see that they have all three of these things. A brand new YouTube channel, even if they're posting every single day and they're posting really high quality content, if this channel was just made 10 days ago, they, they probably don't have a ton of followers yet because it's too new. If a channel posts really, really high quality content and they've been doing that for years, but they only post like quarterly, the duration is too low. If a channel is just spamming like crap content every day and they've been doing that for years, the effort is too low. There, it's, the material's not good enough. Now, I know that people who deal with depression and anxiety tend to have above average critical thinking skills. This is something we've learned through research. And so, um, you know, we're really good. It's one of those things that kind of sucks to be good at. We're really good at identifying like inconsistencies or when things don't make sense or exceptions to the rule or all that. And, and my personal theory is that sometimes that's part of where our symptoms come from because we have a higher ability than most people to look at the systems we're expected to function within, to look at this life and this society that we're told, like, go enjoy that and be good at it. And, and we're really good, unfortunately good, at seeing how screwed up the whole thing really is. We see the holes, we see the flaws, we see the hypocrisy, and sometimes it makes us not want to participate. And so I know that I'm speaking to a group of people who are really good at critical thinking. And so I know that in the, like I, you probably, as I was talking, thought of counterexamples. Like, well, what about, what about this person? Like who blew up under these certain circumstances? I know that there are exceptions to every rule. Okay. My model that I'm introducing you to here is not meant to be a 100% ironclad, like this explains everything model. No model can do that because in any research study, there are what are called outliers. There are people who don't really fit the trend. If you have 
look, look at an outcome study for like the most effective antidepressant medication, you know, something that works for like 60 to 70% of people, you'll see there's this general line of like, you know, people who've been taking it regularly for this long, et cetera, get this much better. But you'll always see a few people who, for whatever reason, just don't really get much better. You'll also see a few people who, for whatever reason, get like three times better than most people. Those are called outliers. Outliers exist in the world. There are always people whose lives or journeys or symptoms just won't fit the norm, okay? And that's the same with YouTube, and it's the same with anything else. I'm not trying to explain the outliers. My goal is to give you the highest probability of success. And if you have those three things in any part of your life, anything, you will have the highest probability of success. Think about those three factors, effort, duration, and time. If you work really hard at something, you do it regularly, you're not really like hot and cold and on and off with it, and you do it for a good chunk of time, like longer than most people are willing to, you are almost guaranteed success, almost guaranteed. And I know everyone thinks they're an outlier, but I want you to be really honest with yourself. Have you tried this? Have you taken what you believe or what you've been told from your therapist or whoever you're working with? Have you taken what you believe to be the active ingredients of your recovery? And have you applied them with frequency, with duration, and with effort? Have you worked really, really hard at them consistently for a very long period of time? If you're being really honest with yourself, I think that the answer that most people would give to that question is no. Most people, if they really look back at their attempts to get better, at their attempts to recover, can honestly say, at least one of those things was missing. Maybe I didn't give it long enough. Maybe I tried something for a few weeks, didn't really get the results that I thought I would or that I wanted to, and I stopped trying that thing. Maybe I tried it for a long time, but I was kind of on and off with it. I didn't do it as consistently as I could have. I forgot about it, or I took time off days, maybe even weeks, or I just, you know, I, I made some kind of half-hearted efforts. Like I did try, I did do it, but I didn't really fully invest myself in doing it. It was something I had. I tried to kind of do it on the side of like my real life. And if any of those three descriptions that I just gave describe your treatment history, then you've been missing at least one of the three factors that you need to succeed. I am not saying that to guilt trip you or shame you or make you feel bad about yourself. I am saying that because I want you to see why you have all the reason in the world to still have tremendous hope for yourself. Because the very fundamental aspects of recovery have not all been present in your life at the same time. And that's actually good news because it means when they are all present at the same time, you're going to experience a reduction in symptoms that you've never had before. That's what I believe. Now, consider those three variables in the context of what I'm about to tell you, okay? What exactly is a person supposed to be doing? So I've, I've hopefully got you at least you know curious on this idea, like what if I had all those three things in my life? Okay, but at what, right? Like what am I doing with frequency, effort, and time or duration? I think I've used those terms interchangeably. 
they're your therapy skills, right? But what are those? That's that's kind of the million dollar question, I know. I'm going to break that down into two categories. There are non-negotiable elements of mental health that are really universal for all people. They're transdiagnostic, meaning it doesn't matter if you have depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety, PTSD, schizophrenia, like regardless of what you're diagnosed with, these things will help you. They, they don't discriminate by diagnosis. Then there are individual variables. And so these are going to be things that are more important for some people than others. Some of that will depend on your diagnoses. Some of that will depend on just your personality and who you are. Some of that will depend on your history. I'll give some examples of this, but since this is a, a podcast episode and I don't know exactly who is listening, I cannot tell you what your individual variables are, but I'll help you figure out how to figure that out. Hopefully that makes sense. So universal variables, transdiagnostic, non-negotiable elements of mental health mainly are going to be physiological, sleep hygiene, nutrition, physical activity, and to use the term very broadly, management of substance intake. So that includes things like drugs, that includes alcohol, that includes compliance with psychiatric medications. It's, it's substances, basically. These four factors affect everyone's mental health. Doesn't matter who you are, they affect you. And if any of them is not in a good place, if any of those are really lacking, it's going to be very difficult for your mental health to be in a good place. So what I want you to do is think in your head, think of a slider. So like on your phone, you probably have a brightness slider, right? Or a volume slider. It's this bar that can go up or down. It has a lot of different points that it, you know, it can be max, minimum, or, or some number of points in between, right? Think of all of these non-negotiable elements of mental health as each existing on its own slider. The goal of this model is to get all of those elements as close to max as possible, um, to master them essentially. Now, don't be perfectionistic about that. When I say master them, I don't mean you must literally be perfect at all of these things. That's not... A, not possible. B, actually probably not beneficial. Think of it more like, if you think of a letter grade, right? If I got an A on sleep hygiene, an A on nutrition, an A on physical activity, and an A on substances. And, and I, I've covered what that would entail in, in previous episodes, and I will continue to cover that in other episodes. I cannot go over all of that today. Um, but that's not information that's hard to find, like, like how to have good sleep hygiene or how to eat for your mental health. That's out there. It's free. It's accessible. You can get that information. If you were living in a way that would cause some objective, independent observer to say, yeah, that person's sleep hygiene, that's an A. That person has really, really good sleep hygiene. If you did that with all of those areas and you did it every day for a long time, would it or would it not be unreasonable that your mental health would improve? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I believe it would be unreasonable for it to not improve. I believe that if you stack that much improvement on top of one another, throw it all in a blender and combine that in your life, you put that into your life, you get better. Like your brain would essentially have to be defying the laws of physics to, to not show improved functioning under those circumstances. So when people tell me things like, oh, I've tried everything, like, really? No, no. And, and again, I don't mean this in a mean way, but no, no, you have not. I don't know anybody. I'm not even just talking about people in treatment or people with mental health struggles. I do not know a human being who, who is in the place that I just described. They probably exist, but they're not. Most people don't do that. Most people have never put all of those building blocks together at the same time. And I am telling you, that if you do that, things will change for you. And that's not even the end of it, because we haven't even talked about those individual variables yet. This part can get a little tricky. Something. This is a part, I know people have some feelings about this, but this is a place where therapy can help, where having a therapist can help you identify what are those individual variables. But the easiest way to figure it out is like, look back on your life and try to figure out what you feel like you've struggled with the most. Do you feel like a lot of your feelings of depression and anxiety come from difficulty in relationships? If so, things like assertiveness or psychosocial boundaries might be two of your individual variables, meaning we're also gonna wanna max out those sliders. We're gonna wanna make you basically an expert on those things, right? Not just an expert in your head, not just I know how to do it, but also an expert in practice. Like I am living these things to the best of my ability. If you feel that you struggle a lot with negative internalized thoughts or beliefs, then that's when things like thought challenges or working through belief systems, those might be part of your individual variables. If you feel like you have a really hard time enjoying your life, even though you have a lot of good parts of your life and you're always like ruminating about the past or stressing about the future, then maybe mindfulness is one of your individual variables. And don't forget about who you are as a person. What are your values? Your spirituality might be an individual variable. For me, spending time outside is something that's incredibly important to me. If, if I'm lacking in, in like nature time, my mental health nosedives big time. I know that that's not true for everybody, but I know that it is true for me. So this does require you to know yourself. 